Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6. It's not a long one, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word of God for us, the people of God, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. It's interesting that Scripture, that little short passage we just read from Matthew, comes in the, it's in the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus speaking, and it comes more or less right after the Scriptures we read on Ash Wednesday here. Uh, where Jesus is, in essence, advising us not to be hypocrites. He says, don't shake the plate when you put money in it, because the point is not to let other people know that you're giving money. The point is to give the money. He says, don't, when you're fasting, don't twist your face up so that people know you're fasting and they, look, they see the pain on your face. He says, do it in secret. Let God know, and God will reward you. And then the best is when Jesus says in the same passage, don't store up your treasures on earth where moths and thieves break in to steal them, but store your treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So Jesus then follows up on that discussion with a few scriptures before today's. And he's, it's the part where he says, you know, look at the flowers in the field and the birds. Doesn't God provide for them? Don't you think God's going to provide for you? And then he says, don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat. And that's when he states today's scripture, where he says, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all those things that you're worried about, food and clothing and all that, will be given to you. So therein lies a question, what is it he's talking about? What is God's kingdom, and how do we seek it? I think most of us for the longest time would have said, well, God's kingdom, that's heaven. That's where we go when we pass away. We also call it the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So the other day I'm listening to a sermon online by a pastor uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Michael uh, Todd. And if you've never listened to Michael Todd, he may be the best preacher I've ever heard. He's, he's contemporary, he's relevant, he's on fire, and he's, he's so listenable. And it's just, if, I highly commend that you reach out and, and listen to that on the internet. But anyway, uh, he says... Um, he says, Jesus didn't say he was the kingdom of God. He said in John 10, chapter, verse 7, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door to the kingdom of God. And although at the moment when I'm listening to this, I'm not sure theologically where we're headed, the fact that Jesus said that he's the door to the kingdom of God pointed up to me the importance of the kingdom of God. If Jesus describes himself as the door the kingdom of God has got to be more than just where we go when we die, right? 
Because Jesus said, I've come, we had talked about this a week ago, I've come to do what? Give you life and give it to you abundantly while you're here on this earth. So the kingdom of God's got to be more. Pastor Ken Hemphill said this about the kingdom. He says, the kingdom's sheer immensity removes all limits on what God can do through us. No boundaries, big and broad, beyond our wildest imaginations. Its fullness can never be attained in our brains. Its resources are never depleted. The kingdom's resources are abundant and never depleted. And its season, <coughs> excuse me, is never over. As one pastor said, he says, when you're living in the kingdom of God, you never get the feeling that you've seen all this before. So in fact, if you study the New Testament, you'll see that the New Testament theme is really the kingdom of God. The first sermon in the New Testament is John the Baptist when he says, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not over there, here. And from Jesus' ministry from the beginning to the end was marked with discussions of the kingdom of God. Jesus started by preaching the same thing that John did. Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in Acts, after Jesus had risen, it says, After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. And what did Jesus do? He was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And then finally in Revelation... We've got John speaking about the kingdom of God in this way. He says, the kingdom of the world, the world, has become the kingdom of our Lord. So how do we access this kingdom of God? If you gather together Jesus' numerous statements on the topic, you can glean this to experience and participate in the kingdom of God it indicates that we are going to be compliant with God's will, both individually and as members of a church, right? Because Jesus started the church. I don't think Jesus said, the church is for some of you and not others. It requires us to be a part of the church. So in that way, the kingdom of God is the opposite of selfishness and arrogance. Additionally, in the kingdom of God, there's no limit geographically, politically, socially, culturally. The kingdom of God is a place where the power of God is present and evident, and therefore, it's where the purposes of God are being realized. And the best part of it all is that the kingdom of God is one of God's gifts to us. Now, in order to receive that gift, it takes some humility on our part, even though we acknowledge, I think readily, that that gift is the most important thing to us in our life. Think about it though, we would rather secure our own lives by building our own little kingdoms. The things that are most important to us more often than not are the things we talk about all the time, careers, homes, families, comfort. We say that some of those things are very important and indeed they are. They just, there just needs to be a proper ordering because I can remember growing up when people would say to me, they'd say, hey, Paisan, family, she's a number one. I'm not even Italian. <laughs> and I would think, yeah, family, they go, family, God, career. And I'd say, man, that, that makes total sense to me. Hey, but it's wrong. God has to be number one. But there's a reason for this disconnect between us and the kingdom of God. Because when, even when we discover that the thing we need the most is God in our lives, 
we can only sit back as sort of passive recipients and helpless recipients while God gives us his grace. He gives us what we need. And that's why the gospel message can sometimes seem counterintuitive and even be offensive to some people because people don't want to be put in the position of being helpless recipients or frankly don't want to be under the reign of a king, whether it's God or another king. People want to view their lives the way they want to view their lives, the way they want to see it and approach their lives on their own terms. And if God isn't good with that, then sadly that person likely doesn't want anything to do with that God. That is the view of a lot of self-professed Christians in their relationship with God. My needs, my wants, my perceptions first. And as long as I'm a nice person or a good person, I'm assuming God is going to go along with me for the ride. And if he's not, well then he's not. That's not my fault. Folks, that is not communicating the kingdom of God to the world. But then ask yourself this, how then do I communicate the kingdom of God to others? Do people know that you are a kingdom person? One other thing about the kingdom of God, it's costly. Jesus said it's costly, but it's worth it. In Matthew 13, he says this. He says, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find! And that finder seeks, proceeds to sell everything he owns to buy that field where the treasure is. Or he says, the kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for exquisite pearls and the jewel merchant finds the perfect pearl, and immediately sells everything he has to buy the pearl. Christ is asking us, are we willing to sell everything we have, to give it all away in order to get a treasure that Jesus says is worth more than anything else? Now, this should be familiar ground to us, because not too long ago, we studied Matthew 19, where the young man came up to Jesus and asked, Master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus went through a litany of commandments to be followed and acknowledged that the man had followed all the commandments. And Jesus took no issue with that. But the scripture says that Jesus knew the man's heart. And so Jesus put it to the man this way. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And we know the rest of the story. This, this man could have been in the band, one of the disciples, but the man left dejected because the scripture says, because he had great wealth. Now we've learned not to interpret that scripture as a referendum on wealth, but instead guidance against loving our things, our stuff, our money, more than we love the kingdom of God. Now, neither Jesus nor anything else in Scripture ever said that you have to sell everything and live like a hermit in order to inherit the kingdom of God. That is, unless God is specifically telling you to do that. Instead, though, as a start, think through this this week. What is most important to me? Where do I spend most of my time and most of my money and do I see the kingdom of God in that? And one other question to ask yourself this week is you endeavor to seek 
God's kingdom first. If all that your friends knew about God is what they learned from you about God, what would they know about God? Let us pray. God, we are here today to seek you first. Lord, when we leave this building or when we turn off our computers today after the service, we can't then seek you second or seek you third or last, Lord. We're here today as evidence that we want to seek you first. Help us to keep that front of mind. Help us to be motivated. Help us to be dialed in to your love, your Holy Spirit interacting with us on this earth, Lord, so that we never, ever for anything in our lives seek you anything but first. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen.